everyone. Welcome to Zeitgeist Zealots. I'm Forrest. I'm Robbie. Matt. So uh, today we finally reached, uh, after a three month long journey, we finally reached the end of Andor and we're in disgust at the Andor finale. So uh, I guess just my general thoughts. Um, I enjoyed like the atmospheric, like sort of like the melancholy atmosphere and sort of like the, the throwback to the first three episodes on Ferrix. That being said, I don't really think a lot happened this episode to move forward the plot beyond him just rescuing Bix and him like just officially joining the rebellion at the end with um, Luthen. But like besides that, there was like no real character deaths. Um, you know, nothing really moved the plot forward um, too much. You know, it was just sort of like a resolution um, to like the first season, mainly just a callback to the first season. But I thought it was overall a good episode, just nowhere near as good as like the um, uh, One Way Out or The Eye, or maybe like a few other episodes. I might, I think I might have enjoyed more uh, than this one, but overall, uh, you know, I think um, enjoyable finale that, um, you know, definitely set things up for season two. Um, although I don't think um, too much, nothing really uh, shocking happened. No, no real twists, I don't think. And, um, you know, no real um, holy shit moments. But beyond that, I think it was overall an enjoyable finale. So, Yeah, like I, I started off not a whole lot to say towards the beginning. Like, I just thought it was kind of cool and stuff but i it got i got more and more into it as the show went yeah. on. although you know not i won't say this this episode was as bad as like the first two episodes the first or the episodes before the eye so it wasn't as slow as those um but you know um i guess i'm coming off as like i was disappointed but i just thought i just thought it wasn't an, as explosive finale as it could have been but um there were some moments i really enjoyed like um what's his mom's name marva's speech but like fight the empire so this, that was a pretty cool moment yeah um, i like that that was cool and uh, how they kind of built up to that and then her her brick that's like her ashes or something oh yeah i guess was, the brick was basically made. the first hit <laughs> oh okay i guess yeah i guess I the bricks are made funny. out of the ashes i didn't realize that at the time but I guess oh like, so yeah like, that that's why he was carrying that brick that oh, was okay. her, her body basically. i guess i guess she wasn't rare enough to become an, a diamond like most people turn their relatives into <laughs> these days but yeah matt what did you think uh, see i beyond loved it because okay. it just goes to show you how crisp and on point the writing was because there's so many subtle nuances to a lot of different things that build this world that got brought together properly not haphazardly like oh this guy just shows up for no reason but the storylines coalescing but like a lot of things coalescing in a bigger broader story and i just think it just was really really well done i mean to the point where the opening music if you watch it every week they would add something more and more yeah. to the thing and then come to find out it's the Death March song in the last episode yeah well they, so they're um, building all that in they don't they don't let you skip the uh, the, the intro they'll let Ooh. you skip like the Star Wars little logo thing at the beginning but they won't let you skip like the actual Andor intro so I guess in this case it was good that we uh, all listened to it because it was sort of um, uh, but you know specific to or relevant to the episode but uh yeah and I, I you know just continuing like you can just tell there's a lot of thought put into this unlike the book of boba fett where Maybe. it was just kind of f all like let's bring back the mandalorian for three episodes 
which is more than you get Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, or Kenobi, where it, it's, it, there was absolutely no point to that show whatsoever. It was nope. just sort of like a fan fiction thing that the fans just happened to have like millions of dollars and the rights of Star Wars to produce. So, but you know, we yeah. be enough. Uh, but yeah, so Andor. Um, oh, and I kept I kept wondering like for multiple episodes, like, when are they going to show what they, what he was building when he was a prisoner? Oh yeah, so that was a nice payoff. Although that I was, think it was, was pretty cool. obvious. I wasn't like, oh okay, I, I figured, but I wasn't like, oh my god. Like I'm sure like some people on YouTube will do like those reaction videos. And it just but, like shows. I loved how they kind of showed the scale starting off, mm -hmm. just the the robot doing the well. Yeah, but I saw like the the you see him bringing the pieces in. Yeah, I saw like the the starfish, uh, iron the iron starfish. I was like from the prison, like aha. Uh, but yeah, so um, I guess like no real twists. Although I thought, uh, who's the blonde chick, Vel and uh, Cinta? Mm -hmm. I thought like she was gonna do something. Um, Twisty, as in, like you know, she, she was gonna like either turn on Luthen because she she sent to the set boy from the window. So she, apparently, she had to tell her something important. That's what it seemed like. But I guess we don't find out what that is this episode. Maybe we'll find out next season, or I could just be misreading that completely. Did y'all think that was a significant moment? I just think it was more about their relationship. About you know, am I really gonna be part of this rebellion? I'm really not in it. You know for more than just these relationships. I just kind of like testing the relationship between the two characters. Okay, so, so that was going to I think it was to me, more personal. To me, it, to me, it seemed like, oh, like, cause it was like, step away from the window. Like I need to tell you, or she didn't say that, but like step away from the window. I felt that like she had to tell Senta something or like at, before we saw Senta again, I, and we just saw Bell walking by herself. So like, oh, did she kill Senta? Is she really working for the empire? Or is she like a double agent for the empire? And she's like secretly trying to turn in Luthen as Axis. I think like also uh, what's the guy's name the uh, the Partagaz the main uh, ISB dude he's just like find access so I was thinking that maybe Luthen was going to be captured this episode because we know Andor was not going to get captured again because it was already captured once this season so I, I was thinking that uh, Luthen might get captured as access or like she was going to betray Luthen to Miro or something like that but yeah nothing no one was captured no one was killed um, everyone's still alive um, well, except but, for half the villagers of Ferrix, but that's true. Oh yeah, and Zan, who we just met this episode, I think the guy who like jumped on mm -hmm. uh, one of the stormtroopers, he died. I was like, oh no, guy we knew for two minutes. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of like it was sort of like the uh, the guy in uh, two, the two towers, the elf dude, has like um, who's killed at Helm's Deep, and he's like a really dramatic death scene. But I was just like in the theaters, like we've only known this guy for two minutes. Why do I care? You know, if it was Legolas, I might care, but like you know, they're trying to make me care about this character we've only seen on the screen for two minutes. But, and like this camera's like on his face for like a long ass time, like, like at least ten seconds. For, so, uh, hit home, for a character hit. you barely know. Yeah, for the bald guy with the beard. It looks like I guess Shell Silverstein. They killed Shell Silverstein. That's, <laughs> if they told me that was Shell Silverstein, then I would have cared more. But I was just like, this guy's. If it was like his his really big friend with who was carrying the stone, yeah, then I'd be I'd, I'd care a lot more. But. Um, I didn't remember. I also Bosa. didn't remember the. Who was that? Bosa is the name. Oh, Bosa, of his friend, and he was the guy that was going to give him his uh, story that he was drinking with him in the first episode. Oh yeah, I, I did rewatch it, but it seemed like he's the one who um, sold out, or maybe mistakenly, drunkenly told the black dude who told the Empire that uh, Cassian was in the a certain building, right? 
No, so that the that guy was trying to hit up uh, Andor for credits in the first scene, mm-hmm. and it's the comms operator at uh, Bix's former work site. That's the one that got drunk and sold him out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, was that the guy? Was that the guy with the beard? Yeah. No. Okay. So he's the one who sold him out. Okay. Yeah. And he's actually to... killed during the riot. So. Oh, I thought he was the one who helped them escape. He's putting like. So that's a different guy. That's. <laughs> Everyone has beards and they look yeah. dirty. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's hard to remember all the characters in the first three episodes. Yeah. It's been two months yeah. since you've seen but them. The guy who owns the scrapyard where they're escaping from in the first episode tells Andor he's never helping him escape again. So I think that okay. was kind of funny. Oh, well. okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought the, the the guy, the kid with the bomb, his dad was killed by the Empire. Yep. And he... Um... Well, okay. he, he worked at the shop of the guy that got tortured before Bix, and it's implied that they killed him. So... Okay. He, and that's why he has the photo there, because he's building the bomb with his... I don't know if it was friend, dad, uncle, what. So, but that that goes once again to show you the subtlety and and bringing all these storylines of people you didn't even care about, you know, in episodes one or two that you only met for a minute, and here we are, you know, dealing with them again, and how they contribute. Well, I only really remember his 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 tall friend, uh, but you know, I think. The first three episodes, this was definitely a callback. Like I said, like I didn't like this one as much as the third episode. It's like, and that was like the first good episode of the season. Um, but you know, I still enjoyed it. I also, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be playing the entire episode, but I still, I still liked it. Um, I, I well, think they really, really dropped the ball with Cyril's character after the first arc because basically he's just sort of like, he's his role as like the show's villain was sort of usurped by Miro. And he doesn't really do much except like get, you know, nagged by his mom and work a office space style job and then just creep on Miro. But see, um, I have to I have to completely disagree with you about Cyril Cyril's character arc, because I am 100 percent curious as to where he's going to go in the second season, whether or not he's going to go full aboard into the Empire or is he going to realize the mistakes that the Empire is making and uh, join the rebellion? Um, yeah, maybe I was just thinking it would be like sort of like a Javert Valjean sort of Les, Les Miserables relationship where he's just kind of like just be chasing Andor across the galaxy and just, um, you know, being more of a formidable enemy. And he's just sort of a joke in this first season, mostly. He's just sort of like like in over his head and doesn't really accomplish anything except getting himself fired. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, he say he rescued Miro, so I guess Miro will hopefully give him a promotion and let him into uh, give him a higher. I'm guessing he's going to join the ISB next season. That's my my thought because well, there's going to be a time jump next yeah, season. Yeah, but I, I think uh, Miro is going to get fired from the Empire for her incompetence at Barracks because she was in charge of this whole operation, mm-hmm. and the Empire being the Empire is going to be like, you bungled it. Now we have a rebellion in Morlana One Sector. And that other ISB agent's gonna be like, hey, see, this is why we don't give her these things. She was, you know, out of her depth. And, and then and she then has to move in with her nagging mother. She has to move in with her nagging mother. And she's gonna get kicked out, and her and Cyril are gonna have to figure out, like, do we have a place in the Empire? Maybe if we get Andor, we can get back in the Empire. Or are they gonna be like, 
screw this guys you know the isp is doing everything wrong so uh they're gonna become roommates in coruscant to move move out from their crazy mothers and it's become a a new spinoff yeah. called karn <laughs> and miro and it's gonna be like dharma and greg and it'll still be better than kenobi <laughs> yeah so just like a, a star wars sitcom on coruscant it's basically like what Lower Decks is for um, Star Trek, just like a, a situational <laughs> comedy set in the Star yeah. Trek universe. So they'll just do it for Star Wars. But yeah, I don't know. So, I'm, uh, I'm guessing uh, you yeah, really might quick. get demoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to Lower Decks. I just started that show. I got through two seasons in like three nights because it is beyond hilarious. Okay. I guess there's a lot of red shirt jokes. Yes, it is. It's really good. I didn't think I'd like it. And it is. It's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Is all the Star Trek stuff on Paramount Plus? Yes. Okay. I think I, I started. I got Paramount Plus, obviously for Halo, and then um, I think I, I think I kept it just long enough to watch the first Strange New Worlds show. Have you seen that one? No. Okay. Apparently, that's the best of the new live-action Star Trek, from what I understand. Um, but I heard like everyone doesn't like Picard or Discovery. Although I'm not like a huge Star Trek guy anyway, just because I think just like the sheer volume of stuff to watch is just a little daunting. Yeah. Sort of like. Doctor Who or um, Bleach or One Piece. There's all these shows that everyone loves, but it's just like they each have like 400 episodes. And it's just like, you know, I'm already in my 30s, so I'll probably be like dead before I watch it all. <laughs> yeah, I, just I have that problem. I just, I just don't have no time in this earth, so I'll just watch new shows as they come out. Um, unless, unless it's like shows just like um, Columbo, where like they don't, there's no like season long arcs. You just like watch one episode and you're done. Like each yep. each new episode's like <laughs> and like I miss those kind of shows where just like um you could just like watch or like The Simpsons. You know, very little continuity in The Simpsons. There's like there's no season long story arcs in The Simpsons. You can watch any episode of The Simpsons and it's like that could be your first episode. You'd be fine. Um, <laughs> I think like the only continuity in The Simpsons is like Maude Flanders being dead at season eleven and like Ned being a, a widower. But besides that. Little references and yeah, little references, yeah, but beyond that, so yeah, back to end. So, um, so Mon Martha throwing her husband under the bus, I love it. Oh, about how she gambling, she that that didn't that didn't didn't go the way like we thought, okay, who's gonna betray Mothma this season? Is her daughter gonna betray her? Is the banker friend gonna betray her? Is her husband gonna betray her? And it's like, nope, she betrayed, she betrayed her husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, because she knew they were going to find the missing money, and all of a sudden she's marrying her daughter off to a gangster who the ISP is looking at. I I love it how she's like, yeah, obviously it was you gambling. Yeah. So So, knowing um, that she's being listened to, I just thought that was, you know, really cool writing. Well, Matt, um, you weren't here for the last episode we did, but I'm guessing the last episode where she's like in that room, the dining room with all her like fellow um, classmates, like reciting those speeches. Mm-hmm. That's is that is that like uh, uh, what's her what's her planet? Cerulean? Shandrilia. So is that like Shandrilian confirmation, or is that like yep. the Palpatine youth, like we thought? No, no. So it's 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 part of their religion, the braid that binds our society together, okay. and it's a very like. Um, Females don't play a big role, we'll say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they're reciting a specific religious text. I forget what it's called. Okay. Um, but that's supposed to be like a little church group get together, and it's showing how her daughter is embracing uh, the religion and the culture when she's trying to 
you know, break away from that. So the, da- so the daughter isn't going to be mad that she's being, you know, nope. having arranged marriage. So, I mean, at least there's that level of drama won't be present. Although I think it would have been more dramatic, like if her daughter is very anti-Shindrillion and wants to be independent. And then she, her well, mother has to, like, sell her off. And then that, you know, that would be very dramatic, I think. But I guess there was enough drama. see her throughout the series. She has her hair down, and then it's in, like, one braid. Mm-hmm. And then it's in the two formal braids by the last episode. So even, like, subtle clues like that, how she's embracing this culture. It really just shows that kids will do anything just to piss off their parents. Like, oh, you don't want me to be a conformist to her. <laughs> Uh, planet society i'll show you i'll get arranged married married right away so um yeah so i mean like, obviously mon Martha didn't have a whole lot to do at least this episode she wasn't sitting on a couch and talking the whole time she was just, like sitting in a car and talking but no, i mean i, I get that her, the whole point of her character is just more diplomacy and really just like she's like the uh the, the wallet for the rebellion and it's not really her role in the show isn't very action heavy well i will say this though because they have been making nods to rebels a lot and um i'm hoping that we get to see uh them rescue her before she gets arrested which was in the show rebels was her husband and daughter in the show rebels or i you know i don't remember i just remember in that episode like they have to like go to curse to like get her out before she's being arrested Mm -hmm. um and they like just barely get her and she's forced to leave everything else behind. Mm-hmm. So, well, I was a little disappointed there was no um, Palpatine cameo, and I figured it would have been a really cool way to elevate Mothma's story if, like, the if like she was like in the Senate giving a speech and the Emperor showed up and just told her to shut up, or like, or she just, or, or like her speech got drowned out because the Emperor showed up. And uh, but I'm guessing like he's a little too. Because I mean, this this show has showed no Jedi or Sith, and I guess the showrunners want to keep it that way. So, like the no tights, no flights, uh, really uh, small I, I I disagree with you. I think there is a Jedi in the show. Oh, is it Luthen? It's Luthen. It's totally Luthen. Well, everyone everyone says like his um his cane or whatever might be a lightsaber, <laughs> and he gave uh, Andor a Kyber crystal, but um. Yep. I don't know. I think everyone... okay. And there's one specific scene where he in this episode where he puts on his hoodie just like a Jedi, oh, just God. like Obi Wan would do. Boop, boop. Yeah, I think people are online have uh, made that theory, but I think people are like also hoping it's not true because they just like the idea of they're not of like you know everyone in the show being just a regular person. The, well, yeah, so so there are Jedi who have cut themselves off in the Force, um, and that's a theory. Um, and specifically, though, uh, his speech towards the uh, ISB mole, uh, he states 15 years prior, which is to date Order 66, not to date when the rebellion, uh, when the Empire, Emperor takes over. Mm-hmm. So, like, his dates are very suspect, and just, like, how he gets around, and his ship has lightsabers, come on. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I just what cool is about what's so cool about the show is like it can show like, hey, we don't need Jedi to sell a Star Wars show. Um, Which is funny because I think I was quoted in one of our very first podcasts saying we need a show without Jedi. Yeah. You know, show these rogue-like characters who uh, have nothing to do with the bigger story but do contribute to the bigger story. 
Yeah. I mean, I won't be like absolutely like jaw to the floor shocked if they do make Luthen a Jedi. Um, I just think it would just, it just it'd just be cooler if he was not Jedi. It would like he would still be badass. He would even be more badass if he could like um, was not a Jedi because like, I think him getting away from the the Imperials in that one episode really just showed like wow if he's just a dude he's pretty impressive but if he's like a Jedi it's like okay not as impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah I mean I, I could see it going either way but um, people thought his assistant was like Princess Leia she just sort of like look, look at Carrie Fisher. Um, but I don't think that's the case. She was no, on this episode, so definitely be stupid. Do you think? Do you think he's going to go back to the pawn shop in season two, or do you think there's going to be like a time jump and he, like um, Andor's going to be Andor's going to be his like his um, effeminate assistant, <laughs> undercover well, <laughs> in Coruscant as his like his uh, pawn shop assistant? I think we'll find him doing something different, uh, but still, you know, running the network. Um, yeah, which it kind. I yeah, think it's amazing I, that we got Forrest Whitaker for two episodes this whole series uh, oh, to come back or probably saw. Yeah, there'll probably be more Forrest Whitaker stuff uh, next season. Um, but, um, I mean, like, really, his role was so uneventful in Rogue One. Um, so hopefully they do more to make him more interesting. Although he has been, like, what, Rebels and mm-hmm. Bad Batch. Re- like, Bad Batch, yeah. I just I haven't seen enough of him to like make me like excited for his character. So they just seem like maybe maybe they'll make, maybe they'll boost him up to a season regular next season. Um, but like I said, this show like made me like Andor's character obviously because I thought he was like just sort of like bland and Rogue One for the most part. Um, do you think we'll see any more Rogue One characters like those Asian guys or um... true Imway and uh, both? Uh, no, what's his name? Uh, no, I don't think we'll see the temple guards, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, higher ranking uh, Empire think, officials we see. I think Thrawn, although I think they're saving Thrawn for Ashoka, so yeah, definitely saving Thrawn for Ashoka. But so we'll see how um, that goes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just like I just like the uh, the real world feel to this show. Obviously, like you know, it's sets or there's a lot of CGI, but it's definitely more. Um, but the humans it, are at the they forefront. They did. They had a live set, so most of those were practical effects when they're on barracks, mm-hmm. and there's like almost no CGI used. And it's crazy to think, like, for a five second shot, you see actual droids that are, people had to like build just for like a wide shot of a village. Yeah, they put all that like that money into building up those practical effects and those practical sets and yet they had to like have Stellan Skarsgård on a CGI bike for yep. two seconds. Like, could you like just get him on like uh, what they did in the first Star Wars movie? They just have like a mirror to make it look like it's floating. Like, could you do that? Just make it look more practical? Because it's, it's so obvious he's like, if they, he's like on a green screen in that one shot where he's in the motorcycle. I'm just like, yeah. They could have at least like made that look practical too if they went to all the effort to make like the town of uh, Rick's Road, um, yep, practical. But yeah, I did like you know um, they like they definitely had a whole lot of extras for this, so it did. I'm glad they didn't do what they did in that one show where they just had um, CGI'd extras. What was oh, that? I think they, oh that was kind Rings of copy power. and paste. It was Rings of Power. Yeah, I think they, they copy and pasted extras to make it appear like there was more uh, people in one scene than there was. Um, so I'm glad they didn't do that. As far as I know, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think, um, 
I guess the riot scene was pretty, uh, like, like, that's probably my favorite part of the episode where, like, um, uh, Mar- Marva's, um, not her force ghost, but her, uh, her, t- her uh, hologram ghost. I guess she recorded a message before she died. Yep. And I guess she was well enough to still be standing. I, guess, I don't know how far in advance she made that video, but uh, I guess, like, sort of like those, you know, those movies where the, the, the guy dies and has to leave, he leaves a video will behind. Um, so, but beyond that, um, well, I, well, it, it, it just really well, once again, written because how the people of Barracks are told they have to delay it an hour or two and they still start on the time that they want. Mm-hmm. And it's showing these, like, uh, remember Luther was saying these small acts, these small acts that we need in response mm-hmm. to the empire cracking down. And it starts with a small act of them saying, like, no, we're going to have this funeral at noon, like we always do. It's our culture. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen on Aldani, the Empire is trying to get rid of local customs and culture. This, like, monotonous, you know, kind of uh, culture that is the Empire. Um, and so it starts with a, a small act of defiance. It kind of like devolves into a much bigger act of defiance. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think, uh, there, well, there was that one guy who got stabbed by Sintra. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, was they the were the ISB agent. Yeah. Yeah. So and- I was hoping, I was hoping the other guy would get killed too. The guy who was sort of like he was like sort of in the middle of the riot, but he somehow escaped. And I don't think he was. Uh, he wasn't really um, that that badly hurt. But I was hoping he would get killed. But I guess but not. Sintra stabbing the ISB agent goes back to what. Uh, Cassian said in the third episode how they can't even imagine people dressing like that, walking in and just, you know, they can't imagine these small acts of defiance uh, or people wanting to betray them. Here this whole time, everybody knew he was an ISB agent, but he couldn't imagine uh, Sinta being a rebel. Yeah. Because that wasn't just in his brain. They just don't think that way. And it goes back to the speech and once again, how tight the story writing is uh, on that. But plus two, when they pull into that uh, main area, uh, like you just see all the bricks in the village and you're realizing that um, how it's bigger than them. And the fact that the speech takes place amongst all these bricks, which are the ashes of the people of Ferrix. So. Yeah, yeah. Now I guess the anvil uh, guy also was pretty important too, because I guess he was the I don't know, uh, you know, I guess like in the British military in like the Revolutionary War, the drummers, mm-hmm. the, uh, the British. I guess he was sort of like the drummer for the people of Ferrix, pounding yep. on the anvil and giving uh, giving them uh, motivation to uh, blow shit up. So and one uh, of the funniest stormtrooper death scenes ever. Was that a Wilhelm scream he did when he kicked yeah. him off? Okay. Yeah, I was like, well, at least they uh, <laughs> had that they, 300 kick. Yeah, I was like, they only sent one guy up there, and he's like, <laughs> get kicked out immediately. He was like such a non-threat. Yeah, I thought I thought they were going to show more coming up the stairs, but I, maybe that was the only guy who went up there. Yeah, they, they figured like one guy could handle a guy with a hammer, and they were just like, nope. So, um, yeah, that was great. That was definitely the, the, the best, best moment of levity in this. So, uh, but yeah, Endor rescues Bix. And she's so traumatized from the torture, she doesn't even like realize that Andor's there. I don't think. 
Because at the end of the end, she's like, and she refuses me. to leave at first. She because she doesn't want to make her captors mad. That's yeah. how bad they tortured her, listening to the screams of dead alien babies. Yeah. So she's had a rough couple of days, and uh, I don't know. I guess she'll have a bigger. I don't. I don't know if she's going to be a bigger part of the rebellion. I don't know where the survivors are going. Cause this tall friend whose name I don't even remember. <laughs> and uh, are, Brasso. 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 Okay. Yeah. Donnie Brasso. He's going undercover for uh, the Empire. That'd be a, that would be a twist. He was undercover the whole time, although I doubt it. Uh, okay, I guess the robot got to wait to be something. Be too other. emo because he's being too emo. Oh wow! I wonder if the showrunner even that realizes that has to have been done on purpose. I, yeah. There's no other excuse for a name like that. Yeah, I'd be surprised if like the showrunner Tony Gilroy is secretly a My Chemical Romance fan. <laughs> and he had to have a robot called Emo, although he's like, I think in his 50s, <laughs> if that. So. Uh, and yeah, I love so- how, too, they, they humanize kind of the droids in this series. How, like, you know, B2 Emo, he, he just wants to be with his human, oh, you know, yeah. how he has these emotions. That's why I wanted them to kill that Imperial guy, because he flipped over B2 Emo. Mm hmm. Well, he was so incompetent, he couldn't even, like cover up a hologram all the way with his jacket. Well, it wasn't about his incompetence. It's about how in Acts of Rebellion, the light will always shine through the darkness. Okay. Um, and so they will become a beacon. Marva is becoming a beacon to the people of Ferrix and the Rebellion. So I figured that was done on purpose, you know, to kind of symbolize how even when the Empire tries to squash a Rebellion. But, you oh, know, one thing Matt, I saw, things really, always like through. In the real world, though, if you want to cover up a projector screen with a jacket, you know, I think I could do a better job than you did. Yep. <laughs> that being said, and then back away. I get, I get, I get the narrative significance of it, but I'm just like, you have to be pretty, pretty <laughs> incompetent to fuck that up. I saw a thing on a little Easter egg video with that hologram that uh, when she says uh, "fight the empire," mm-hmm. it, you notice the hologram, but the lip sync doesn't really seem to match up. They're saying she actually said "fuck the empire." <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, maybe but it was like, but it was like, Disney changed it to fight. Maybe it was like 1899, and they uh, they had you had were watching the dub version, so the subtitled version rub. So that's why the lip syncing didn't match. Up. So, <laughs> well, it did on everything else she said. Yeah, always watched subtitled, well, folks. Don't watch dubbed. PG 13, PG 13, and I agree. You're allowed one F bomb in PG 13. That's so. true. Although they already said they already got away with shit. And um, the the third episode. So I mean, no. I do think it'd be weird to like have like such a uh, a well known swear word that we use in the U.S. That would sort of like take away the fantasy element of it, don't you think? Like, wouldn't it be better like they like yeah. Star Galactica where they say it's the uh, frack, oh, frack. God, I hated that so much. It well, was like, they, like they, they distracting say, at a point. Yeah, but they, to be fair, they can't say the f word anyway. So it's like, why don't we just make up our own thing with like the two main letters that everyone remembers so we'll, we basically have the, we basically have the square word but we can get away with it sort of like in like 24 where jack bauer says damn it and i think like keeper sutherland said an interview like you know when you're on like network tv there's not really a whole lot of expletives you can use to express anger so we just had to say damn it a lot so but you know they say damn i think in um uh, the original trilogy don't they or no they say uh i'll see you in hell that that line sort of took me out of the movies mm-hmm. and like, it was like well what's hell in the star wars universe like there's gotta be like literally millions of cultures <laughs> like which hell are we talking about is it like the, the wookie hell where it's like everyone's <laughs> hairless <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, I don't know with the uh, version. But it's like they need something to like make the audience understand the dramatic weight of the scene. But yeah, so well, missing anything else? No, but overall, I think overall this series, when I first saw this trailer drop, I was like, I have no interest. It looked stupid. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be dumb. This is just Disney, you know, trying to get content out and destroying a franchise. And after 12 episodes, I am of the opinion this is the best Star Wars show well, ever def- made. Yeah, I definitely... It changed my opinion towards the end there. I definitely had that opinion when I saw the trailer. And to be and to be honest, I had that opinion after the first two episodes. But I think at the third episode, and especially I think by the time we got to the eye, I, I was definitely mm-hmm. I definitely understood like how different and I think well, much more care they put into the writing than the other Star Wars shows. Um, well, it, you know, this show expanded the universe so much more than six mm-hmm. movies have. Yeah. And I'm really sort of disappointed that we're only getting two seasons. Because it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, all those other shows, I mean, I, I don't know about Book of Boba Fett and probably not Kenobi, but like Mandalorian's getting three seasons already. And, you know, that was really all it's done is just like make live action versions of stuff we've already seen in Clone Wars. Um, but like this show is definitely like really, really expanding the lore in a way that I don't think any of us expected. And, uh, and I mean, I think season two might be a good way to cap it off. But it seems like there's still like four years to go between what's happening now and what happens in Rogue One. So it seems mm-hmm. they could probably like squeeze like four more seasons out of it. But I mean, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, well, know. I like to the whole build, uh, the whole structure of this season was um, two to three uh, episode story arcs. And if it's a three episode, it's world building, world building action if it's a two episode it's world building action so yeah but like it you know it it seems a shame that uh i think what by this time next year like we'll be no more andor and we're just stuck with kenobi season four where he fights vader for a fourth time um on a new hope and i think that's why i had such a low opinion of the andor trailer when it dropped too was kenobi was just that bad it really like soured me on the whole Disney Plus Star Wars and really just like well, She-Hulk has totally soured me on Disney Plus Marvel right now but you know Werewolf by Knife was okay for what it was but it was like I still haven't seen the, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special yet and we, we have to discuss no, though either. neither have I uh, but we have to discuss the big news of Disney this week uh, Iger is back yeah. Um, because the previous bo- uh, boss was fudging the books uh, when it came to how much Disney Plus was losing. Mm-hmm. And I think so. he was the one who was like putting the brakes on all the new Star Wars movies. But to be fair, um, there was a pandemic, so it's not like they could have released. If they had already mm-hmm. like, made some, they just would have lost money on those anyway. Well, so I, I think the bookkeeping is obviously like Black Widow can be labeled as a loss because mm-hmm. it wasn't released in theaters and just online. But they got so many more subscriptions out of Disney Plus by releasing it on that platform, mm-hmm. you know. But they don't have ticket sales, so therefore it's a flop. And it's like, was it really though? It was a, a flop in my mind. I, it was, it was a horrible movie. Wise. Don't get yeah. me wrong. <laughs> but like the amount of money they're saying they're losing on it, it's like now they did not lose 110 million dollars on this movie. Yeah, and I think what really ticked me off. Um, this week, I don't know if it was like he said this a while back, but I think one of the producers, not Feige, but I think um, Nate Moore or something, like one of the main Marvel executive producers, so like, you know, anyone who's like a, a diehard Marvel Comics fan, that's a red flag for us for whom we we hire to 
do these shows. And I'm just like, you know, after like Black Widow and uh, Moon Knight, and I think pretty much like these people who like did these shows who were not big comic book fans, I think like things should be like a red flag if that's like one of your red flags for producer. You know, it's it's really because like the black like to go back to the Black Widow thing, like that movie could be so much better just looking at the comics. Like the recent Mark Wade run was really good, and um, like just so many just great stories of Black Widow in the comics, just like with her alone, and they just did not capitalize on it. They seemed like a really dull, boring. Uh, movie that was just like just a inferior Winter Soldier, but beyond that, you know, uh, hopefully Feige will realize that Phase Four didn't really go over too well, and they'll make some changes to you know improve it. But who knows? Could be wrong. At least Star Wars is getting better. Yep. Yeah. And I think what's the ne- I think Mandalorian season three is the next. I guess live action Star Wars is coming out probably next think, year. Think so. And then I guess Ahsoka is coming out next year, but. Yeah. Which I'm just like, you know, I'm pretty Jedi'd out at this point. Yeah, and I think actually it got shuffled a little bit too with all the releases next year. So, yeah, that well, up. there's that Tales of the Jedi like anthology series um, on Disney Plus. I haven't seen that. Have any of y'all checked that out? No. Yeah, apparently there's like a uh, like a young Dooku story. There's like a young uh, Ahsoka story. And probably some other Jedi's that I don't remember from Clone Wars. Um, but it shows like Dooku um, with Qui Gon as his Padawan, so I'm sure that could be interesting from a uh, storytelling viewpoint. But yeah, maybe. And, and I, supposedly, there's a new season of Bad Batch coming out too. Yeah, did y'all finish that one? No, I, you didn't. No, I didn't. Um, I liked the penultimate episode a lot, but I thought that the penultimate episode should have been the finale because the the actual finale was really uneventful and just sort of like a uh, what do you call it a bottleneck, bottleneck episode almost. So I won't spoil it, but um, I, I think they probably should have ended the season, the series, the season, an episode earlier. But beyond that, like you know, it's it's definitely a, a Star Wars show without Jedi, which is like what we want. Um, I I just got tired of the adventure of the week. You you go back and be like, hey, we need this. Go to this planet and get this. Okay, guys, let's go. Yeah, I think Uh, I definitely got stuck on the episode with like the planet with the people with the two dongs on their head. What are those? Twi'leks. The Twi'leks, yes. So the the Twi'lek saga, uh, I think was where they lost me, but eventually I I soldiered on through it. And I... um, Finish. If they do get back to the main storyline with uh, what's the guy's A- Admiral Rampart? I guess is the main. He's like the, the Miro of the Bad Batch show, so he's mm-hmm. like the main Imperial dude. So they got back to him and Crosshair and um, the uh, who, who the, the 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 race of people who clone who cloned the the, the clones. Oh, uh, Kadoshans. Kadoshans. Yes, they, they go back to Kadosh or whatever. So, well, spoiler. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's sort of like you know they they wrap everything up nice in a nice bow, but. I think it's definitely worth finishing uh, for the most part. Definitely way better than Kenobi and Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, but that's not that very hard to do. Uh, but yeah, so I guess next week we can talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Maybe and Willow. Time. Oh, gosh. Willow uh, comes out November 30th. No, don't. Oh, gosh. That was such a great movie in the 80s. Yeah, it's fun to watch like an old woman versus old woman witch fight. You know, you don't get a lot of those. In movies, because that's like what happened in the movie, right? There's like the, yeah, the one old lady mm-hmm. who's evil and the other old lady who's good, and they're fighting each other. It's sort of like the the fight in it's like a, a pre uh, a sort of like the, the fight in Lord of the Rings between Gandalf and Saruman, but they did that like 
20 years earlier in Willow. So I wonder if like uh, Peter Jackson, because that, that scene was not in the book, right? With Saruman and Gandalf. I don't remember it, so. I don't think that was in the book. So I think, I'm sure Peter Jackson was inspired by Willow to give us that wizard v. wizard fight because of that witch v. witch fight in Willow. But I don't know, like that's just one of those movies. I know George Lucas did it. And I don't think it was like very successful, but you know, um, I'm gonna let you watch it first. And then <laughs> it was really worth my time. I'll check it out. Um, I mean, they own Lucasfilms. They might as well like milk everything they got, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I think they released some uh, of the Indiana Jones five set, not set photos, but like official stills from that movie. And Matt, surprise, surprise, Matt Nicholson's playing the bad guy. He's uh, playing a Nazi. The guy from uh, Rogue One. So this all ties together. Yep. He was the guy who built the Death Star in that, and uh, you know he's gonna be the, he's gonna be like a, a an ex Nazi. In Indiana Jones Five, yeah, nothing could be as bad as the last Indiana Jones. So, well, I guess they realize uh, um, communists just aren't as interesting as Nazis, or at least they're just not as um, and aliens and aliens. Yeah, so aliens and commies aren't as fun to kill as Nazis. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I know Steven Spielberg isn't directing it, so that's sort of like as much as I hated Kingdom of, the, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it seems a bit of a sacrilege that Spielberg isn't directing a Nina Jones movie, but I'm sure he wanted to do other things like West Side Story. Um, so, but uh, I don't think any other, any big movies coming out this year, right? I think Honda for, well, Avatar. <laughs> Excuse me. That's how excited well, for that one. Yeah. I'm, there's a bunch of stuff coming on Netflix actually next month. Uh, White Noise, I definitely want to check out. Oh, is that like the Kevin, I mean, the Michael Keaton movie? No, Kevin it's, um, uh, yeah, that the Kevin Bacon one back in the 90s, the horror movie. No, this has, um, what's his name? Kylo Ren there. Uh, he's a family man, and there's a tragedy in the town where uh, a train overturns, and that's them trying to, like, flee the town. But it's, like, kind of this dark comedy. Um, it takes place in the 80s. And it's about like him being on his third marriage and having like all these kids he has to take care of. Oh, wow. okay. Is this a TV show or a movie? Movie. Okay. Netflix's TV shows are way better than the majority of their movies. Um, I mean, obviously, Irishman was long, <laughs> but I mean, I enjoyed <laughs> and, and it. And betrayed by an old, old actor trying to fight. It's you can de-age him so much, but it, it, he still can't move fast. Oh yeah, trying to make us think that Robert De Niro can play a twenty-year-old by CGIing his face into oblivion. Yeah, I mean that was a little crazy, but I think for the most part, um, that was an okay. It's probably being really freaking long. Um, but yeah, so like, Wait, what else besides White Noise? What else? Uh, I, for, I forget, but I know there's like ten different movies and shows coming out. I think they're releasing 122 new things in December. Try to so. get our own shows greenlit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 1899 <laughs> is really good. I think uh, from what I've seen, I think you really dig it. Um, and you have the option to watch it dubbed or subbed. So, uh, yeah, maybe we can talk about that next week along with the Subtitled. holiday special. So, all right. Sounds yeah. great. There's like 10 different shows. There's different languages in that, in that show. So, yeah. I don't think you want to watch them all dubbed. But, yeah, that's that's our show. Rob, you want to plug our social media? Um yeah, follow us on Twitter, ZZellet Podcast. Yeah, and then that can, you'll see a link to our Discord. You can chat with us in there, see what you think. 
yeah, let us know what you thought of the uh, Andor finale. And uh, if you're looking forward to season two, I know I am. Much more than Book of Boba Fett. Season two, if that even's going to happen, which I don't think so. But yeah, that's our show. I'm Forrest. I'm Robbie. Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.